Welcome to the Writer's Room for Run Radio. I'm Trina Wilcox. Jeff Burney is my guest today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Yeah, so you've got some writing that you've been doing based on a bunch of characters that have been building in your head for a very long time. And I appreciate that about fiction writers because I think it's difficult to keep track of characteristics and all the things that you got to do when putting a plot and a plan together for a great story. So how do you manage that? Oh, well, um, I mean, the good thing is my characters don't leave me alone. So uh, they're very persistent. Um, but also I'm I'm a big um, proponent of outlining. And particularly, I like to do um, character sheets. So kind of a little background on each character. And I go beyond, you know, what do they look like and, you know, sound like and um I try to get to like, what are their internal conflicts and external conflicts and how might they change during the story? Um, what role they're pl they will play, even if they're, you know, a somewhat minor character, I want everyone to have um, a role in the story. Otherwise um, they're just kind of background. And then, you know, as I'm writing, they kind of take off on their own. You know, I, I give myself room to, um, let the characters roam and do what they want to a point sometimes you don't have to reel them in but right <laughs> so do do you like have specific sections of notebooks or maybe you use it online how do you how do you do that and like do you do everything from birthdays to where the character was born what's that like yeah, I don't get necessarily too bogged down in like the the birth dates or where they were born, unless I think it'll be like an important sure. piece of the story. Um, and everything's online. Um, I love collecting cool looking notebooks, but my handwriting is awful. It's been atrocious since I was a kid, but now that you know everything's digital these days, and I'm right. typing more than writing, I I can't read it. Uh, <laughs> so it's got to be online for me. Okay, so how did you, when did you know that you were ready to put a book together? Oh, man. You know, my first goal was to um, have written um, a novel by the time I was 40. Okay. Um, and I think I was, I think I was 38 at the time. And I thought, you know, I've wanted to do this for a while. I'm just going to sit down and do it. Uh, I did write that book. It was really bad. Um but I felt like, okay, I'm, I hit that goal and I learned a lot. So after a, a bit of a break so that I could um, uh, refresh my wounded heart and ego, oh. I, uh, <laughs> I got back to it. And, you know, my second book was way better. I had, um, you know, I brought things that I'd learned from the, from the first one. And I think my, um, so that was my first published book. And then my second uh, published book, I think is, my best one yet. And I think, you know, it just takes a while as a writer to find your unique voice. And I think mm -hmm. that, you know, after writing three ninety plus thousand word um, novels that I'm starting to get there. Good. I know we're our worst critics, but I am glad that you shared that because I think a lot of times people think that you just, you know, push out the story and it's a success and everybody loves it because it's done, you know, and it just doesn't happen that way. It's a learning process. No, absolutely. Yeah. You know, writing, writing a novel, I think is, you know, it's like a marathon. And I think if you've, if you've never done one, it, you, 
it can feel daunting and that's kind of why i've i use more of an outline process because i breaking it down into into acts and then into chapters and then even into scenes kind of helps me okay i'm only writing this little piece right now so i don't have to my mind doesn't have to wander to oh i'm only a thousand words into ninety thousand you know right it's like your training plan <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I, I get the marathon correlation for sure so that, that speaks <laughs> to me um what was it like to start the publishing process um it's it's been a fun journey you know i've got a kind of a, a i've got a marketing background um and so I, I set out wanting to be an independent or self-published author. I didn't query uh, my book anywhere. I, it was something that I wanted. I wanted to do. And maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm a control freak. But I, I also think that it's the business part of being an author is super um, interesting to me. So I wanted to learn everything, not just writing the book, but how do I get it edited? How do I get it formatted? Um, even decisions on, do I do print? Um, do I do audio? Where do I um, publish? So I've, you know, done a lot of, a lot of research. Um, sometimes I listen to the experts. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm sorry I didn't. Sometimes I'm sorry I did. But, you know, it's a, it's a learning curve and I'm just having fun, you know, experimenting. And this, luckily I'm at, you know, a point where I have a, a good career. Um, my author career is kind of my um, my retirement plan. I figure, you know, I'm going to write as many books as I can before I retire. And then when I retire, I will just, um, I will be able to write all the time like I want to now. And I'll, I'll you know, kind of be set up. I already have books. I'll have a, a, a back catalog. And so I'm thinking of it kind of long term. That was a question I did want to ask you was if you, if your author career was a side career as well as something else that, you know, is the bread and butter. Yes, definitely side career. And I think, you know, even, even um, traditionally published authors, a lot of times have to have, you know, an actual career. Um, so I don't, I think, you know, being able to pay my bills and not have to worry about that is helps me be a little bit more free creatively too. I, I like that. I feel like more people need to hear that. More creatives need to hear that kind of thing. And it's a, a, a good statement to remind people of. Uh, I also like that, you know, you were excited about being self-published from the beginning. And I've also heard a lot of people do have different things that they know they're, they need help on, like someone will hire an editor or there, there are a lot of different ways to do it. Does it all have to fall on one person? And can you kind of talk about that so people can kind of understand that it's not yeah. all on their shoulders? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's true. You know, I do know a lot of first time authors um, who, you know, are trying to design their book cover or, you know, um, don't have money for an editor so just don't do editing and it could be tough i mean it's definitely a, a bootstrap kind of way to um publish but that doesn't mean that we can't and shouldn't also try to be as 
make our our product our book as professional as it can be i mean if we're i mean if we're being honest there's a lot of self-published books out there that probably should be pulled and edited and you know have the covers redone and i don't blame um any of those authors for wanting their stories to be out there but it is hard to um, make a dent um when there's a bunch of errors or the cover just doesn't grab people and so not being afraid to to find extra help if you're not a designer and i am not a designer um there's all kinds of options for your cover whether it's um finding a pre-made cover that you can um, get for cheap. Uh, if you've got a, a friend who actually is a designer, uh, you know, there's, there's places where authors who have different skills um, trade or, you know, someone is a, a good editor and someone else um, actually is a, a designer. You can, you can trade those skills too. So it doesn't have to be a super expensive thing, but making sure like even if you can't afford an editor if you've got you know five to ten people who are close to you who can read through it and at least find the big errors if you can use grammarly or something like that as well after those beta readers that'll get you you know i think 80 to 90 the percent there as well Besides uh, finding some close people to help with that process, where else would you recommend reaching out to people that might be interested in trade? Yeah, you know, I've found a lot of um, fellow authors on social media. I'm on Instagram and TikTok. There's a huge, you know, author community on both of those. I know there's a huge community on Facebook. I just, um, as someone who... Uh, writing isn't my only career. I don't have a whole lot of time for um, getting into the, the, excuse me, the, all of the social media channels. So I had to, you know, pick and choose. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you even uh, do a, an online search for author communities, you'll find um, all kinds of groups uh, online. And that's what's so great about the indie author community is everybody wants to help each other it's not necessarily i i think most of us don't view other authors as competition um we want to help our fellow indie authors put out more professional books because the more professional books that are indie produced the the less stigma there will be on self-publishing and so i think you know it's just a very open and friendly community Yes, I would agree. I so you said you didn't have much time to spend on social media, and yeah, you've got quite a houseful. And I'm looking that behind you might be the way if you're watching the video <laughs> that you cope with this. How do you find time to make it all go? Um, I I don't, <laughs> but but that's something that I've learned. That's something I've learned is you know sometimes you just don't have the time. Um, you know, when I first started writing, the the main advice I think that I heard, and I think it's still relevant and still out there, is you need to write every day. And I love that advice, but sometimes it doesn't it doesn't fit your life. And I think it's okay to understand that. So I I can't write every day. I just I've got uh, as you mentioned, we've got um, seven kids. Only four of them are still at home, but those four, three of them are teenagers and one's six year old. So 
it's a crazy house. Um, <laughs> when I do write, it's, you know, um, on my lunch hour or after everybody's asleep. Uh, so it's just finding those little pieces. And I think that's also what drew me to um, being more of a, an outliner and a plotter because I can go away for a couple of days if I have to and come back and like, oh, this is where I was. Where I think if I was just trying to to write as I go, I yeah. think I would forget, okay, where was I? <laughs> and well, I don't think it would work. And you've decided to, your words, write stories that keep people up at night. So what drew you to that genre? Um, I'm really not sure that's what came out, you know, uh, and maybe that says something scary about me. Um, I, you know, the first book that I actually started outlining was a kid's book. Um, I still haven't written that. I have all the notes and I still think it's a cool idea. Um, but as I sat down to write, um, and, and, you know, come up with the, the story and, 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 and plan everything, it was this serial killer psychological thriller that kind of came out and the characters are crazy my second book is even um filled with stranger more deranged characters um it's funny because my my wife is my first reader and my parents are my second and third readers and my my mom has decided she, she you know she loves me but she's not going to read my books anymore uh <laughs> because I think she feels like maybe guilty, you know, like, what did I, how, what did I do that? Uh, this is, this is what you write. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, you know, I grew up reading um, classic Stephen King, but I also really loved um, more literary authors. John Irving is probably my favorite author. Super amazing, you know, Cider House Rules, The World According to Garth. Um uh, a prayer for Owen Meany. So like these very dense literary novels that he writes, but if you've read them, like his characters are really super strange. And I think maybe that just subconsciously rubbed off on me. And uh, that's what comes out. Hey, you turned it into something great. You've got two novels out right now. And are we going to be able to expect a third? Oh, I hope you expect a third and a fourth right. and a 30th. Um, <laughs> Tell me about the first two. Uh, yes. Yeah, so my first one, like I said, psychological thriller, it's called a killer secret. And, um, you know, the thing that I start out with is I try to have a, uh, a theme or a question that kind of guides my writing and for a killer secret. Um, the question was, you know, everybody has, everybody has secrets. There are things that you don't want the world or even your close friends to know, what if one of those secrets was worth killing to keep? And so that's kind of what drove the the idea for the story. And um, the story is very kind of intimate. There's only three main characters, and they're mostly the only characters in the book. And uh, it's about a, a female psychologist, and she's kind of not sure of her place in the world. She's not sure if she's helping anybody. She's in a bad relationship with uh, her older um, business partner, mentor, um, who used to be her uh, college professor. He's uh, not a cool guy at all. And then one day she's uh, she gets a new patient and uh, 
he eventually tells her that he is a serial killer and that's where all the action kind of jumps off from there and you realize that all three of these characters have these deep secrets and they kind of slowly unravel as their lives intertwine and uh so that's a killer secret and then the fall of faith is it's more of a a domestic thriller um maybe even i hate to say like um romantic suspense there's romance in there but it's not i mean it's it's not a um healthy romance (laughs) (laughs) um in fact, the the main story revolves around um, Jimmy. He's a he's a longtime trucker. Has really his whole life has been seeing the world go by uh, through his windshield. Uh, he's divorced. He's on his last run, um, on his way home, and realizes he really has nothing to go home to. And um, he ends up getting stuck in a small town named Eden. Um, which despite its biblical namesake is more of a, a hell on earth. Uh, he discovers it's this town again. I'm, I guess I'm fascinated with secrets. It's this town full of, of secrets and all of these crazy characters who each have their own um, reason for being deceptive. And he, he um, falls in love. Maybe it's falls in lust uh, with a woman that he shouldn't. And she kind of, um, as the relationship grows, um, the danger starts, and it's not clear whether or not uh, Jimmy's even going to make it out of Eden alive. So okay. I don't do Hollywood endings. I don't <laughs> mind killing characters. Uh, <laughs> I try to be surprising. Um, and, you know, I'm the kind of person who, when I read a book, I, I'm always, even if I try not to, I'm always thinking, oh, this is what's going to happen next. Oh, this person's going to do that. And so when I write, I I know that I know the twist, but I try to write them in a way that people like me won't get it. So Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so where can people that love that genre and are ready to read these stories, where can they get your books? Um, you can buy them directly from me at jeffbernie.com. Um, you can buy the, the ebook, uh, paperback and hardcover, uh, from me, but there's also links on my website. I, the books are available, um, on all the, the major online retailers, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, Apple, Google play, Kobo, um, and then a bunch of smaller ones, uh, as well. All right. Now, do you also have the audio books made yet? No, I am working on that. You know, that is like, uh, you know, if you, if you um keep up on you know how people are reading and industry statistics i mean audiobooks are definitely outpacing every form uh i think right now unfortunately for you know self-published authors they're still fairly expensive um and, and it's based on um finished hours so the longer your book the more expensive it is and my books are fairly long so I can't, they're not necessarily in the budget. I've thought about um, recording them myself, um, which, you know, again, as an indie, I like to try to learn things. Yes. And I've realized that, you know, the recording part is fun. The editing part is not. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> That's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so I'm trying to learn the editing part. So hopefully it becomes faster. Yes. So they're still in the works, you know, every six months or so, I think, okay, I'll just 
bite the bullet and get a narrator. And then I look at the cost again. And I'm like, okay, I won't. Uh, but there are options, you know, you can do um, with narrators, narrators, you can do profit sharing and, and things like that. So, I mean, there are options. It's just still, it's for me, it's like kind of that last frontier for indie publishing. You know, it's not quite within the realm of, of easy to do yet. Not super easy. And as a narrator, there are ways to work on, like you said, royalties only, which is how I've done it through ACX, which is affiliated with Audible, Amazon Publishing. So for authors that are thinking about that, that is an option. And you as the writer get to hear some auditions and get to pick the voice that you feel like does well. You can also set up your accounts where you, like you were saying, I feel like with the dark side of where your stories might lend in your voice, that might be a good way for you to do it too. If like, like you said, if you can get through that editing part, it is such <laughs> a bear. So I guess yes. <laughs> best of luck. I had a great time talking with you. I do hope you'll reach back out when that next book is ready to be promoted and we'll talk about it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Have a great day. You too.